The following is a presentation of the Retro Network. The House Show. For over 42 weeks, the revolutionary force in retro sports entertainment podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, the Retro Network and the House Show podcast proudly presents to you this look at the decade of decadence. A little indulgence for your day, as we bring Saturday night to whenever you damn well please. So let's welcome to the stage your trio's tag team champions. The Master Library, Kevin, it's Tricky Hellions. The Educator of Access. And Sweet Maddie Treats. As they bring to you Saturday night's main event. The House Show Podcast Way. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of The House Show. It is me, as always, Mr. Maddie Treats, and I'm joined by my trio's tag team partners. To my right is none other than the educator of excess. Educator, how are you doing today? How are we doing, baby? Doing all right. Can't complain. Uh, Week two of our new season, looking at a new episode of Saturday Night's Main Event. Uh, lots of interesting shenanigans, lots of sports entertainment, uh, an awesome brawl that I wish could have went a lot longer. We'll be talking about that and a lot more, I'm sure, later on tonight. How you guys doing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so here we are, uh, educator. We're halfway through January already. Of course, our first episode of the new season started on the 7th today, the 14th. So crazy. Already through January, has 2021 been better than 2020 so far? On a personal level, not political. School has been just crazy with the number of positive cases, and we're still powering through. Uh, it's, uh, I just wish we would just shut down and just go remote until we got full vaccines going on. But, well, we'll just continue to social distance and be super safe and try to be super sanitary uh, around everybody and just hour through i guess yeah, absolutely because especially because we're seeing the peak from everyone's you know the vacations and stuff right. the holiday vacations coming through so uh to my left is none other than kevin it's tricky hellions kevin how are you doing buddy oh it's my recital i think it's very vital you know uh you're talking about the covid increase for holiday vacation that's just another reason for me to not like christmas vacation right there but, uh, you know, we got to talk about our friend here, the educator, and his side hustle, as we saw in the credits. I didn't realize how much they were paying him because educator and his family made a little cameo surprise appearance here. And absolutely, I felt like garbage because they had wonderful gifts for us. And I did not expect it at all. And I was just like, ah. Oh, Gosh, I'm such a screw up, and I felt horrible about it. So I want to just add to my record of public shame that we have had over the course of this show. Just throw that one in there too. But um, I, I gotta say though, I I, I gotta jump right into it because we mentioned last episode that uh, Treats and I had watched this episode already, and I've just been like itching and just shaking to get out my thoughts. It's Saturday Night's Main Event, Episode Two, and you know what that means. Uncle Elmer's wedding. Uncle I had Elmer's known wedding. about this for years, but I never watched it. I have never watched a second before this. And this is now one of my all-time favorite wrestling things. It's glorious. <laughs> Absolutely glorious. It set the tone. It set the tone for all future weddings. The test Stephanie wedding, the uh the Kane Lita wedding, the the Triple H Stephanie wedding. This laid the groundwork for all future weddings. I, I love it so much. There's a lot on this that I just enjoyed. I have like a, a list in my head of my favorite episodes of TV shows that I've ever seen. This might join that list. <laughs> I, I, I was like you, Kevin. I loved this episode of, uh, of wrestling television. Not because it's good, 
but because no. it's just so ridiculous. It's so oh, off no. the wall with the things they do. And as we get into it, uh, you know, we, we will discuss that. But, um, you know, I actually had quite a few notes here, just things that stuck out of my mind, like, what the hell is going on? What are they doing? Um, I know that they were replacing, as we said on the last one, Saturday Night Live. Uh, this sound, this feels like just a bunch of skits thrown together. I mean, in all honesty, this is like a Saturday Night Live episode of Saturday Night's Main Event. It's it's a fantastic, fantastic watch. And if you haven't watched it, do yourself a favor, guys. Go in there and just watch it. It's fantastic. The the Mean Gene Okerlund, George the Animal Steel in the Jungle. Oh. Oh, it's phenomenal. There's just so much. I have five and a half pages of notes for it. I was just loving it. I mean, I've suffered through a lot of terrible wrestling. Some of the stuff that we've, you know, assigned ourselves here ads with wrestling homework. And sometimes I'm just like, and, and current WWE product, really, if we're honest. But man, this made me love wrestling. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a, it's a great stuff. Uh, so why don't we get right into it? Of course, the air date is October 5th, 1985. We are at the Meadowlands Arena in East Rutherford, New Jersey. About 8,000 people, but kind of empty, to be honest, especially the upper the upper uh, bowl. Uh, it was very empty. Am I crazy for thinking that? No, no, absolutely not. Definitely lots of available seats for this particular show. Uh, I'm sure there was a heck of a lot more that was either taped or at least done as like a house show for that live crowd besides the the four to five matches that we saw for the night. Yeah, so we get started right with Mean Gene Okerlund uh, interviewing Nikolai Volkov with classy Freddie Blassie. Of course, we get those inset promos. Uh, We follow that up with a Hawk Hogan promo. And then we go back to (gasps) Mean Gene Okerlund. Um, and he's kind of talking about how this is going to be the first network television wrestling wedding. Um, and, and he interviews first since Tiny Tim. First since Tiny Tim. Thank you. And we interview uh, Hillbilly Jim, Uncle Elmer. Um, w- was Cousin a junior with them at this point? Not he yet. Cousin Junior? Like, seriously? I, I didn't realize how because wasn't there a calcium home video of like the country boys or something yeah, like a yeah, best for this yeah. i never grabbed that one no. <laughs> now i kind of wish i did yeah i'm surprised <laughs> you didn't sell it as part of your vhs blowout sale a couple weeks ago yeah i had a goal in mind and yeah. i reached that goal i hope that goal was worth it kevin oh so is it's very <laughs> awkward uh, and of course we get piper included in that um our 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 announced team once again is Vince and Jesse the Body of Ventura. And can we talk about Jesse the Body of Ventura's sunglasses? Oh, love them. Oh, the, Absolutely. The mannequin sunglasses? The power and glory. That's where they got their gimmick from. Love it. See, I always went with Meshach Taylor from Mannequin. Is that where they were from, Kevin? Or are they just inspired I by? I think Mannequin inspired. came first. Yeah. yeah. Inspired by. So, um, so let me ask Kevin. Kevin? Yes. Um, before we get into our first match, our first match is going to be Nikolai Volkov versus Hawk Hogan for a flag match, apparently for the WWF world heavyweight championships. Not really a flag match, but, um, so if you had to describe this episode to someone, what would you call this episode? Like, what's the main thing about this episode that they're hyping? The main thing is uncle Elmer's wedding. It's the wedding episode, the wedding episode. Correct. Yeah. What is one thing you don't do for a wedding? Crash it. Yeah. Well, besides that. Um, put yourself over the bride. Yeah. How would you put yourself over the bride? Um, (laughs) it's in my notes. I didn't realize we were going with it. Wearing all white. Yeah. You wear all white, right? (laughs) So of course, Hawk Hogan comes out in his traditional all white costume. (laughs) Yeah. It's in my notes. What's going on? We got the American made t-shirt with a red, white, and blue, but he's got all white gear on. What's that all about? Well, I mean, that's what he told his daughter. You know, he's just, he's a big fan of all white gear. I, I just thought that was very interesting. Of course, it's so used. And we, we, we mentioned this on the last episode, how shocking it was. You know, um, the educator thought that he would have seen the go home, uh, you know, whip into the ropes, big boot, in, and then go into the leg drop. But that wasn't the go home. Uh, same thing here. We don't have the yellow and red. He's just wearing literally all white. And of course, I had to laugh because it is a wedding episode. And it immediately jumped to my mind that you don't wear white on a woman's wedding day. So I'm sorry, Joyce. <laughs> uh, but what did you guys think of the first match? I mean, we're starting with Hogan, your, your, your big guy. Is this where they were expecting the big audience coming in? 
um, uh, for this episode. Yeah. yeah, ran at the eleven thirty mark. You know, Hogan must pose. Start getting the crowd ready to go. Uh, fun match for what it was. Uh, impressed with a spot or two done by Big Nikolai uh, against Hogan, but I feel still that Hogan is trying to still figure things out. He's been champion now for almost two years. And uh, move sets are still ever evolving with Hogan, and uh, yeah. But in the end, H- Hogan triumphs. Hogan must pose. So this isn't the same arena from episode one, then? No, it is not. Still in New York area or East Coast, right? Metropolis area. It, I swear to God, I thought it was set up the same way, though. It, at least from the interviewing with where Mean Gene Okerlund is looking out towards the arena where the backstage yeah. Iowa interviews were, it looked the same. Maybe it, it's maybe it really is a green screen in the background. I don't know. Um, but it, it looked very, very similar, if not identical. It's like when you go through a town that has all the Sears houses that clearly everyone ordered it at the same time because the town expanded for, you know, a mill or a plant or whatever all at once. It's like these are the Sears arenas that we're just going to put up the same arenas all over the coast. Yeah, I think, you know, arenas were never, in my opinion, unless they're baseball. Baseball is a completely different animal, but hockey arenas and basketball arenas. Uh, it doesn't matter the layout because you're playing on a court, you're playing on a sheet of mm-hmm. ice that's always the same size. So usually those arenas are set up very similarly. Baseball's pretty unique, and that's why uh, baseball parks are so. That's why you get like a Wrigley Field, the Yankee Stadium. Um, you know they're they're so unique in how they're they're set up. Of course, in Boston you have the Green Monster, all that all that stuff. So um, I think it was pretty much just okay. Let's get the latest arena that they have. And they were probably all very similar setups. And, uh, yeah, you can run very a lot of different sports out of them because of that. I, I just want to say I got some of those baseball references. I'm proud of myself. Very good. I, I Well, you know, Wrigley and Yankee Stadium have been around for hundreds of years. Well, new Yankee Stadium hasn't, but. No. Um, but, yeah, absolutely. So why don't we get right into the first match of the evening. Uh, Nikolai Volkov with Freddie Blassie taking on Hawk Hogan for the WWF World Heavyweight Championship. We see Nikolai Volkov coming to the ring with a new ring jacket, not the traditional red uh, jacket with the CCCP on the back. Instead, he's got a kind of gray, almost looks like a general's coat. Uh, Very, very different than what we saw from the last episode. We, of course, see Howard Finkel asking the fans to rise and respect the singing of the Soviet National Anthem. Nikolai gets through the entire rendition. Classy Fatty Brassie is kind of wording along with it. And Nikolai goes nuts on the fans for booing and starts yelling about how disrespectful they are. We got Hogan coming to the ring wearing the new, uh, different rendition of his gear. The all white still has the WWF championship that we discussed in last uh, episode, kind of reminiscent of the uh, NWA TV title, uh, that rendition of the title belt. The start of the match, we see Nikolai Volkov attacking Hogan from behind as Hogan is tending to the uh, the red, white, and blue flag that he's trying to put in the corner. Nikolai with a bunch of clubbing forearms to the back, ramming Hogan into two turnbuckles. Nikolai rips off Hogan's white t-shirt and starts choking Hogan from behind with the shirt itself. Nikolai tries to ram Hogan's head into the third turnbuckle, but Hogan was steadfast and held off and stops. And ends up Irish whipping Nikolai into the corner. And he follows up with an avalanche clothesline onto Nikolai Volkov. We see Hogan with two right hands to Nikolai. An Irish whip and a charging clothesline knocking Nikolai down onto the canvas. We see Hogan dropping an elbow onto a down Nikolai. Nikolai Volkov does get up. Hogan ends up hitting a, a headbutt onto Nikolai Volkov. Causing Nikolai to stagger back into one of the corners. We see Hogan do the Irish whip and a big boot into the chest that sends Nikolai over the top rope and onto the announce table or the timekeeper's table. We hear the bell ringing in the background as his body is flubbering all over in that that area where the timekeeper is all set up. We see Hogan lead to chase out onto the floor. Hogan rams Nikolai's head onto the apron. Hogan does a headlock and tries to ram Nikolai's head into the corner post, but Nikolai is able to put on the brakes and shove Hogan forward into the corner post itself. 
Hogan rolls into the ring and Nikolai follows. We see a bunch of forearms and kicks by Nikolai Volkov to a downed Hogan. Nikolai climbs to the second rope and does a double axe handle off of that second rope to knock Hogan down. We see Nikolai Volkov pick up Hogan for what appeared to be a press slam, an interesting take on the press slam and where his his backhand, instead of kind of grabbing Hogan by the junk, he actually grabbed Hogan by the top of his trunks and yanked up on his trunks to kind of press him over his head. Instead of dropping him down, Ultimate Warrior style, we end up getting a press slam into a backbreaker over his knee. Nikolai is jawjacking with the crowd, and even the commentators are like, why isn't he going for a pin? He ends up going for the pinfall attempt, but ends up only getting a two count. Nikolai uh, then Irish whips Hogan into the corner. We see Nikolai, uh, and Hogan drops down onto the canvas. Nikolai Volkov picks up Hogan and what appears to be him going for a pile driver, but apparently he was setting himself up for a bear hug like backbreaker over the shoulder. But Hogan ends up powering out and instead muscles Nikolai over for a back body drop. We see Hogan trying to battle back, but Volkov is able to recover with some stomps and right hands. We see Volkov hit a body slam onto Hogan and another two fall uh, two count for a pinfall attempt. Hogan kicks out and he begins to hulk up. Nikolai reverses an Irish whip attempt that Hogan meant to uh, attempted to do into the corner. Nikolai sends Hogan into the corner, but as Nikolai charges, uh, Hogan kind of dodges out of the way. So Nikolai hits the corner post really, really hard, falls down to the canvas. Hogan bounces off the ropes, hits his patented leg drop for the one, two, three pinfall and successful defense of the WWF championship. Post-match, we see Hulk Hogan reaching over where Freddie Blassie was at ringside. He grabs the Russian flag and proceeds to use it as essentially as a shoe shine and starts wiping down his boots. And then Hogan ends up grabbing the American flag and his championship belt. As we just about cut to commercial, we hear Howard Finkel announce him as winner and still WWF champion. Hogan drops the belt. Hogan must pose to go to the break. Very impressed with Nikolai, like you were mentioning there for that press slam. Like, geez, that was Hogan's well over 300 here. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. So it, it is impressive. And I mean, Nikolai, like, yeah, I remember him with Iron Sheik and a little bit on his own. But unfortunately, my big memory is him with the corporation where he's a joke. Yeah. The sen- you know? the black T-shirt, the fake tuxedo T-shirt with the scent sign on it. Unfortunately. Yeah. 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 And and just older in general. But I mean, like, he's absolutely a beast here. Yes. You know, great shape and all, but this match is so short. And then, like, the Hogan-Orton match on the previous episode, it's so short. And we talk about the rock and wrestling connection, which, you know, was what brought WWF into the spotlight of this era. But I never thought before of them taking a cue from MTV of, hey, do you like what's on TV? Don't worry. In four to five minutes, there'll be something else. Because this is just quick video, quick video, quick video. The host said something. We go commercial. Like, it's so fast. And the booking and the time frame for a lot of this is the same. Hey, do you like this? Don't worry. In four or five minutes, there's going to be something else. Like, you don't need a long attention span here for the matches. And it's crazy because other than a pay-per-view, this is the only way to see two name people wrestle against each other. It's Saturday Night's Made event because your right. superstars and challenge and everything are squashes. So you're seeing two people that are, are name people that have toys and merchandise and everything. And it's still a squash match, really. <laughs> Kevin, you you bring up the point about you know it, it it's not a pay per view, right? Right. With but. the way, it, it's definitely not. But at this point, they really weren't in the pay per view business because WrestleMania one happened, and that was it at this point. Correct? Yeah. Yeah. They hadn't had their second one, the Wrestling Classic, yet. That's in early '86, I believe. I'm guessing they were like, oh, it's a garden super show or, or, you know, whatever they may have called it. Like, this is a bigger event than our usual event here. So what are they what are they building up to? Because to me, being on NBC, wouldn't this be one of your bigger events of the year? Yeah. Yeah. You would think it would be the akin to what, you know, a clash of the champions was for NWA, WC, early WCW. Um, But, yeah, I mean, this is like prime time. I mean, this is where you're going to have the greatest uh, number of eyes that have the capability of seeing your product. You would think this would be your like primary tool to showcase everything that's going on with your, you know, with your stars and your in your business. But yeah, because even their I mean, their TV at this point, I mean, what is their TV? 
just su- superstars? Like, what is Tuesday Night Titans? Tuesday Night, maybe, Titans, Tuesday Night Titans, which is their talk show, um, was I. I would imagine a form of primetime wrestling was probably starting to go on at this point. Yeah. Syndication, right? I mean, is that pretty much, so it's just kind of, you're going to have superstars and wrestling challenge and you, and, uh, all American wrestling on USA. Oh, I forgot about all American. Yeah. Yeah. That was their Sunday show. Usually. Yeah. So there's not, there's not like a raw, there isn't a flagship at, at this point. So it's just kind of interesting to see what they're building up to, what they're, what they're leading with. And really they're just, I guess, trying to sell tickets at the, at, at this juncture i mean that's their their way um so at the end of the match obviously hogan takes the russian flag and does a bunch of stuff with it you know cleaning Mm -hmm. his boots wiping his butt whatever you got classic face stuff i guess could you do that now oh gosh country i i i I, for me if i was a, a professional wrestler i don't think i would risk it in this current era, it's just not really worth, you know, any kind of publicity, social media, whatever. Is that is that because of the internet, social media, and because yeah. they're a global company now? I mean, they're right. a global brand. They're not, you know, U.S. based. Obviously, in in yeah. the '80s, you know, right. you may hear about it a month later or, or something like right. that, but it's not instantaneous. Right. Well, I mean, the, the time frame for this is Soviet Union, USSR. WWF was not aired. In that country, I'm sure, at the time. But if they did air this, Nikolai would be seen as the face and Hogan as a heel attacking the flag of your country. Absolutely. Yeah, and we did get, uh, obviously, in the the 90s with the Brett versus Sean with the stuff with the Canadian flag. um, You know, Sean putting it in his nose, dancing around and stuff like that. Uh, But that was more edgy time. I just don't think nowadays people would... I don't think you could get away with it now. I don't no. think they would do I, I it think either. You could do it with a country that can take a joke. I think you could do it with like Canada, England, like, all right, obviously we're goofing around here. I don't think you could do it with a Middle Eastern country, with China. See, I I always thought too, like, my idea was when they were pushing Jinder Mahal and they were obviously of Indian descent, not from India, but um, I always thought that his gimmick should have been that these stupid Americans are disrespectful to me and racist to me because of where i'm from canada canada because right. that's where he's from i thought that would have been a good take on it and kind of funnier and gotten away with more than just because he's brown he's from the middle east mm-hmm. right right yeah you're you're imp- well india's not middle east but yeah you're implying so much and everyone's gonna think you're going in one direction then he says canada and it takes the piss out of it Right. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, and you could play it up and with the way they had it. So I, I don't know, but um, but after the match, of course, we get Mean Gene talking with Hogan again, and then we get Mean Gene talking with the former trios tag team champions of the world, Uncle Elmer, <laughs> Hillbilly Jim, Cousin Junior. Now, uh, educator, on last week's show, I asked you who's the Dick Ebersol, who's the Vince McMahon of the group, because you're the producer, Matthew McCarthy. Yeah. Uh, okay, who out of these three, who's Kevin? Who, who's Kevin? Is Kevin Uncle Elmer? Is Kevin Cousin Junior? Is he Hillbilly Jim? I'm gonna give Kevin the uh, the Cousin Junior. Really? I'm gonna take the Elmer and uh, treat you're gonna be Hillbilly. Right, I'll take that. Um, uh, is that because <laughs> Kevin doesn't wear shoes? That's exactly it. All right. All right. I, I, I can dance a jig pretty well. There you go, baby. Um, qu- quick thing here though, did I pick up on a lot of gay innuendo for the night with Mean Gene, like him saying, "Oh, tune in because I'm gonna be playing the organ in a little bit." I'm sure slipping in those just to pop, just to pop whoever will pick yep. up on it. Jesse Absolutely, you, yeah. Oh, I love the the shot of the bride getting ready, and Jesse Ventura was like, "Wait a minute, look at that dress! Isn't that dress a little off white?" I mean, come on. Who says that? That's just great. He's fantastic on the show. Oh, yo, he's amazing. This is this is one of the better episodes of wrestling television we have watched. It's a lot of fun. Uh, that leads into match number two on the night, which is Uncle Elmer versus the gentleman, Jerry Valiant. Uh, and what a match this was, guys. Oh, barn burner. Barn burner. Literally. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Jerry Valiant is wrestling in this match, and his brother is luscious johnny v the manager of the tag team champions we see later on in the show 
Jeez, and then the hillbillies whole lot of nepotism on this episode. There's a whole lot of nepotism, baby. Yeah, I mean, this really wasn't... Uh... I was going to say, do we have time for Educator to cover this? Yeah, I don't well, know, Educator, with your breakdowns. With your breakdowns, I don't know if we have enough time on the episode, but... Uh, I don't know. We'll what is this? What we can. Is this just... He just misses a dropkick, and then Uncle Elmer no, splashes him? not even him? that. He just charges, and Uncle Elmer gra- picks him up for a big scoop slam, and it wasn't really a, a splash... It was just a, he drops down for the cover and it's a, but he lays down hard. So there's just, there's no movement from Valiant whatsoever. Like there's no way Valiant's getting out from that. And it's a big one, two, three finish. And you know, the at time of the fall is announced at six seconds and as announced as like a new record for the WWF. And then when they do the replay, they end up showing what the previous record was, which was, um, a King Kong Bundy match against SD Jones that apparently was like 12 or 13 seconds. But when they replayed that match, that was probably about a 30 second match. Yeah. That actually happened. Um, I don't know when they started timing it, but there was interaction and, and, and motions going on before the big avalanche and the big splash. So, but I, I do want to point out educator is that match was from the original WrestleMania. Correct the the Bundy because they built him the up Bundy. and then Bundy would get the main event in the second mania right the second WrestleMania right uh, yeah I thought that was just interesting um, there was a whole lot of Uncle Elmer on the show and a whole lot of Hawk Hogan <laughs> just I don't think they wanted Elmer to get blown up because he had a big spot later on with the wedding so you know big scoop slam and uh, you know lie down and boom I mean don't wasn't go, that why don't go messing did. with the country boy. Wasn't that why he didn't last long? That he was a big dude and that was it, but he really had no skills in the he ring. Have, he was I mean, highly protected. Somewhere in the show, they sh- uh, they show him throwing a leg drop at one point in some other match or something. But yeah, there was. I mean, I don't. I'm not even familiar with what he did was doing prior or what he did after this short stint with WWF. So uh, he retired for his uh, successful glue company. There you go. That is a lie. That is a lie. <laughs> um, so we follow that up, of course. Uh, mean Gene talks once again with the Hillbilly Trios, Tag Team Champions of the World. Um, and then we actually see Arnold Schwarzenegger in the crowd. Uh, with, see, he's in the Meadowlands, man, taking in the WWF action. Which is crazy. And then we go into The Body Shop, which is Jesse the Body Ventura with Bobby the Brain Heenan. Talking in the ring. Talking in the ring. Uh, I guess Bobby Heenan is now frustrated uh, that the whole idea of him, uh, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, turning on the Heenan family and leaving Bobby Heenan after the whole WrestleMania blow off when he was buddies with Piper. And now he's a face. And now we're going to put a bigger bounty on Paul Orndorff. The $25,000 bounty is not enough. So we're going to up it to $50,000. And he opened up the briefcase, and there were some stacks of cash ready to go to hopefully Mr. Piper for their one-on-one match later in the card. Yeah. Can I ask uh, Kevin? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, Jake, I'm here. You're a man that uh, that knows briefcases full of cash. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that the most pitiful-looking $50,000 I've ever seen? There's not a chance in hell it's $50,000 in there, unless we're cap- counting Monopoly money. Unless those are legit all hundreds and only hundreds. Uh, out it though and it's a it's a sad looking briefcase too yeah it is you can put money in briefcase have a nice looking briefcase may as well have been a duffel bag which yeah it's it's not john studs duffel bag that could only hold 10 grand in there so it can a duffel bag hold 10 grand it did that night (laughs) yeah i would imagine it did that night in the garden (laughs) so after that we get mean gene talking with paul orndorff and then we get a lot of mean gene on the show a lot of and and here's Orndorff. Like there's the skirt talk. There's the roto rooter thing, which I think I know what's being implied here. But it's like, geez. And and if I was to write a list of things that are not allowed inside of a wrestling venue, air horn will be oh that top. air horn going off oh, throughout the, the body shop segment, and then even during Piper's interview, it was just oh. not. Um, well, speaking of Piper's interview, Piper's um, interview with Mean Gene starts next. And I just wrote great promo. I enjoyed oh, this. I wrote that too. Yeah. It was fantastic. Educator, you texted us when it was going on. So why don't you uh, discuss what it is? And by the way, guys, you guys can't see the video of this, but okay. So the educator 
has his like neon he's in his game room right he's got like led lights and stuff like that and he looks like he's in a saturday night's main event like disco club but the funny thing about it is (laughs) he can't read his notes so he's got a flashlight in his hand and uh the flashlight is making it glow like the he opened the briefcase in pulp fiction and that glow is coming from it and then the and then the flashlight looks like a (laughs) it looks like a not a flashlight. Yeah, that's oh, true. my. And Kevin looks like he's trying out for the Beastie Boys. <laughs> you look like gonna... Tyrone Biggins. <laughs> so anyways, Educator, what, so the promo, why was it so good? What was he talking about? The promo about? was great because as a heel, even, you know, Mean Gene is telling Piper to, you know, question whether or not Bobby Heenan will really pay him off. And and ho- and Piper's even like, I'll rip out, rip out Bobby Heenan's throat and so on. And then they somehow dovetail into the Uncle Elmer and the wedding and so on. And why? And Piper's like, it's not appropriate. You don't mix professional wrestling with this. And Ronnie Piper says, if if Uncle, if this happens tonight and Uncle Elmer gets married in another 12 years, there could be five more Uncle Elmers running around. Do we really want that? And I popped so hard after that comment. I could not believe it. And Gene Okerlund's face when he finished that sentence was just amazing. Loved it. This is like a show for themselves. This is an audience for the boys for tonight's show. Absolutely, they're 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 slipping as much as they can in there to pop each other, just to see who's going to push the edge a little more and a little more and a little more before before Vince McMahon gets on the on the headset and just starts losing it with somebody backstage, whoever's producing the show. Yeah, I think that's why I love I love this episode of Saturday Night's Main Event so so much because it reminds me of our show. We're trying to see when Jason will yell at us. <laughs> and so far, I've only heard from him because of the Christmas vacation bad mouth talk yeah. from Kevin. Yeah. So. yeah, thanks a lot, Kevin. We got it. We got the email. We got chewed out. Wondering what in the hell. I get I get notes, too. It's usually from listeners. Not so much the boss. It's fine. We'll just you know have to talk to Crone about subbing in pretty soon here. <laughs> so match number three on the card is Paul Orndorff versus Roddy Roddy Piper. And was this really a match? I mean, it really just turns into a brawl. It's a brawl. It's a good that, brawl. And it, it starts great for the first minute, minute and a half. And then it, it spills out. And then they, it just, I wish they would have been given more time. And I'm fine with the finish to further prolong their feud. I just wish they would have given it more time and, and could have done a few more uh, wackiness in the ring and outside of the ring. Yeah, like if they got a match that built up more and more to make the fight at the end seem even more dramatic. But, I mean, this fight's fantastic, though. It it looks like a real fight. They're just crawling over everything. The fight, as they go to the back, as they go past the nouns table, when they're in the back still, like, this is just so well done. I loved it. When this happened, I have, I put down, this is so far my favorite thing on Saturday Night's Made Event. It was good. It's not a match, no. Right. But, man, it's, it's one of the best fights I've seen in wrestling. Yeah, this segment was really good. I liked it a lot. No, it was fantastic. I really did enjoy the brawling aspect of it. Of course, you know, I think we talked earlier, and, and Kevin noted on last week's episode, that really the interaction between Orndorff and Piper was a tease for this. And then this match was also a tease for hopefully something down the long where they get extra time, whether that's on the third you know, main event or whatever that was leading to. Hopefully we get to see it as part of that. So uh, educator, do you want to break this one down for us? Absolutely. Uh, I loved Roddy Piper's entrance with the bagpipes and uh, the entourage, you know, playing him to the ring. I thought that was impressive. Uh, We get right into the ring and then we see Bobby Heenan, uh, come down with the briefcase reminding Piper that, hey, you know, the the payoff, the, the $50,000 is right here. And that kind of motivates Piper to just charge right in the ring and just attack Orndorff. And they just start trading blows back and forth. Uh, Orndorff with an Irish whip into the corner to Piper. But Piper charges right out, right back from that corner with a hard clothesline, knocking Orndorff down. We see Piper ramming Orndorff. Uh, his head into the mat multiple times. Orndorff overcomes and eventually brawls back. Uh, both men are basically rolling all over each other on the canvas, trying to choke and punch and tear at each other. 
we see Roddy Piper with a DDT onto Orndorf. And it was interesting to see that. I don't believe at this point Jake Roberts was in the company yet, but it was a modified DDT that we see. Piper then stops and kicks a downed Orndorf until he rolls out onto the floor. Piper follows Orndorf onto the floor, rams Orndorf's head into the table. Piper tries to hit Orndorf with a chair, but kind of like overshoots it and misses. Uh, and it hits a little bit behind uh, Orndorf. Uh, Orndorf recovers and ends up ramming Piper's head into the table. And then he tosses Piper back into the ring. He also throws that chair that Piper tried to use into the ring as well. Orndorf climbs to the top rope right from the apron and delivers an elbow off the top rope to a standing Piper. We see uh, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorf hit a belly-to-back suplex, which commentary even mentioned it's the first wrestling move of the match uh, to uh, Roddy Piper to drop him hard on the canvas. We see Orndorf pick up Piper. Orndorf hits two right hands only for Piper to do his infamous double eye poke with the, you know, the split fingers just to poke Orndorf right in the eyes to do an eye gouge. I just, I love that spot when it's so unsuspected and the quick poke of the eyes and it just stops any momentum. It's one, one of the great things I loved about Piper's work. We see Piper with what we later would call the million dollar knee lift. He does a really high knee lift to knock uh, Orndorf down. We see Piper uh, do an Irish whip and both men hit the ropes and they both collide into one another and fall to the canvas, kind of get like a referee standing seven or eight count. Piper attempts to do a running splash onto Orndorf, but Orndorf lifts his knees up. Orndorf then uh, recovers, gets up and hits a running cross body onto Roddy Piper and both men kind of flail over the top rope from that running cross body onto the floor. Piper and Orndorf are brawling back and forth. At one point, Roddy Piper picks up another chair, tries to swing it at Orndorf, but Orndorf moves and he ends up smashing uh, the chair into the ring post. The men continue to brawl outside of the ring up a different aisleway that was not the same as the entrance, and they brawl back towards the backstage, and it ends up being a double countout finish. We continue with this backstage brawl in the locker room, and eventually Piper sneaks into uh, what might have been his locker room or a locker room and just forcibly g- gets into that room. And then Warndorf's trying to force his way in. He's got his arm in the door in between as Piper's trying to shut the door. But eventually Piper's able to get his arm out and slam the door and lock the door. And we go to a break with Orndorf trying to smack and ram the door down, but he's unsuccessful. Uh, this whole segment's so good. Um, the Piper's DDT seemed protected in a way. Like, it just seemed to be like a, it doesn't have the snap impact, like a Jake Roberts DDD. It seemed to have a, a little, like, slower, more cradle, maybe to protect him coming down. Um, the thing that got me for the fight, and I think it's the weirdness of how the this venue is set up, is how they came out of the ring, where the entrance is, and then where the announce table is on a riser so they could go under it and everything. I was just like, I've never seen this. Never saw a fight like that. It looked like it would be the main aisle entrance, but is it's a completely different entrance setup. Yeah. Yeah, but God, it, it added something to it. I just loved it so much. This is, uh, I, I don't know what it is. It seems like we really enjoyed like fights, like a, a, a real brutal going to add a level of trust between the two wrestlers to just beat the hell out of each other and still be friends. Because uh, there were some for In Your House, some for Halloween Havoc, and here we are again for this. Like, I just loved it. Um, But I will say, and my note happens here, and boy, in the next segment, but I have a tiny note here of the crowd seems disrespectful. <laughs> Absolutely. Got the air horn. We got, like, just yelling stuff, attitude. They, they're all distracted by something off camera for a little while. I'm like, they seem disrespectful. Boy, is that an understatement as we move on. I, I think the reason that we like the the brawling aspect and the physicality of it is no matter what era of wrestling we're watching that translates. Yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah, easier to watch the brutality of a match and say, Oh, this is great. You know, we watched the Steiners nasties and you loved it. Cause they were potatoing each other. Right. Um, mm-hmm. The, the visceral violence of, the Shawn Michaels diesel match from good friends, better enemies. 
um, just kind of there's something about it, right? With the brawl between DDP and Macho, like it, when when there is that physical altercation where they're just beating the hell out of each other. I think it's more of a respect thing. That's why I brought up to you um, even today was the Walter uh, Ilian uh, Dragunov match from NXT right. UK. Like you got to watch this because. You're going to love the brutality of it. And I think that really does translate. Like, you know, sometimes if you watch older matches, um, they might not be they might not be up to the standard that we're seeing now as far as athleticism. Right. Like, you know, um, if 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 we show someone that's a wrestling fan now a match from the 70s, they might think it's boring or the styles are different. But when it comes to mm-hmm. that physicality. that will never go out of style. The physicality is why we watch wrestling. I mean, we we watch it for that. Even if they're doing flips and dives and and all that sort of stuff that turns some people off, still just beating the hell out of each other and potatoing is going to be be entertaining. Sure. A a punch in the face is universal and timeless. God, just that opening sequence that the Piper and Orndorff had at the beginning, they're just going back and forth. Oh, so good. So good. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was good. Um, but guys, that leads us to what is our main segment of the evening. Um, the Uncle Elmer wedding. <laughs> Mr. Hellions. Yes. Mean Gene's on the piano. He is on the it's organ. Tick- tickling the ivory. Too bad he didn't do the piano for the Undertaker's entrance at Royal Albert Hall. <laughs> if only. It's only. Uh, I didn't know Mean Gene could play a piano like that. I didn't know Bean Jean could give such a dirty look. <laughs> well, you put that cigarette out, okay? Oh. So we get Piper interference during the wedding, but the wedding goes off really without a hitch. There isn't uh, right. the much to it. What is? What do you think the timeline is? Because Piper just got the match. He locked himself in the thing. And then literally, as we're watching it in, in our real time, it's like two minutes later, Piper's walking out all cleaned up. Right. Um, obviously, it was taped. And they edited things and different things like that. But what is the timeline in between this? Are we missing commercial breaks? What's going on? I'm sh- I'm sure oh, there's got to be yeah, commercial breaks uh, live. I'm sure they slipped a, a match or two in there to give Hogan time to go to the back and mm-hmm. get cleaned up from his match. By the way, I mean, he, he's got he's great wearing, leather pants on black leather pants with the cowboy <laughs> boots, the sleeveless tuxedo shirt, the bow tie. I mean, classic. If you're looking, I, I'm saying. Hogan at Uncle Elmer's wedding is right now in the running for my Halloween costume. <laughs> it's early. I know it's early. It's the middle of January. People aren't thinking about Halloween 2021 yet, but I'm thinking of dressing up as Hawk Hogan at Uncle Elmer's wedding. Uh, my wife and I this week were trying to remember how much our wedding costs for everything, the reception and you know all that. And she said, well, your tux didn't cost anything because, you know, the groomsmen got the tux. So me as the groom get it for you free. Got it for free, right. I'm still upset they didn't have this Hogan tux available. <laughs> well, you know, you it's the cowboy boots that does it for me. Mm. It's not the leather pants. Uh, I don't know. Those leather pants are good. Boots, I think right? Becky Lynch has the same leather pants. <laughs> oh, there's my search tonight. Do you think you got a deal on the tux because it had no sleeves? <laughs> Like like it's a half off. Yeah, it's a ruined one. 25% off if one sleeve's gone, half off if the other sleeve's gone. Uh, also, too, I mean, we're not even talking about Uncle Elmer with his tie on the outside of his overalls. Matching ties, yeah. The hillbillies all have the matching ties that were external from the coveralls, man. They're all great. Also, too, do you think that Hogan, because he's wearing cowboy boots, did he steal Cousin Junior's shoes? Oh, that's a good thought. Because he's got no shoes on for the wedding. You think he would have at least put shoes on? Yeah. And Andre's in his ring gear, ready to go for his <laughs> yep. next match. Yep. <laughs> this photo is just like, oh, it's like Picasso drew it. Like it's just perfect the way it is. Oh, God, it's like the Last Supper painting. Like it's just perfect. I want, I, I want a, a Renaissance painting done of just a still photo, so I could hang it in my, in like my dining room. The two things that stood out for me in this segment just two? is when there's just two. Uh, well, at least the two that I, I don't know. Maybe you guys, maybe I don't know if you missed it. Two subtle things. Well, one was obvious. Another one was subtle. Uh, the, the obvious one is the kiss the bride, and and there's the kiss. And Jesse Ventura is like, it looks like two carp are going at it in the Mississippi River. <laughs> lost it there i couldn't believe it i'm like wow and the other thing is towards the start of the ceremony 
where the preacher is talking about, you know, how marriage is, you need to take it seriously. It's not to be taken lightly. You see Captain Lou Albano in the corner. He does the sign of the cross. And Jenny plays when he's saying that. What's going on here? It's one of the greatest segments I've ever seen. Fantastic. Loved it. Oh, Uh, Gene getting pelted by the fans on the piano and given this like biting his lips showing his teeth at the same time look back at them but he has to keep playing for the moment and the thing is i don't think he was legit playing there's no way because like him pushing down wasn't matching any of the tones no no god so he's like so he's got to sell it that he's playing and he's getting pelted by the fans and then the bride gets pelted in the head that was fantastic the fans as well and she had to no sell it too Oh my God! What a you second. could you could hear Jesse Ventura pop when she got pelted. He lost. That's because he threw the item. <laughs> he was the one that threw the battery at the ring. Jesse Body Ventura is now Jesse the Arm Ventura. For that. Oh God, it's so good. I love when they when they hold hands and Jesse says, "Okay, we finally have first contact." Like they just locked up. <laughs> I, Uncle Elmer, <laughs> so great. Um, oh, Uncle Elmer, I give you, I can't hear you. And Jesse Vince just losing it. Absolutely done. <laughs> it's so great. What else? What else? <laughs> so Wikipedia says that okay. Uncle Elmer and Joyce were legitimately married. <laughs> I mean, maybe. Like, maybe it was. Taking advantage of, you know, Vinnie Mac, put it on and make a spectacle out of it. Put it on TV. Oh, God, I love it. I want to watch this segment again. This is one of my favorite things. And I can, it's been sitting here all my life, pretty much, like waiting for me to discover it. It's literally been here pretty much all my life. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> so, God, it's so good. Actually, I'm going to look up that Country Boys. Let me figure out how to look up Country Boys wrestling without getting certain results google that kevin see what happens <laughs> see what happens to your mother's computer when you google that one yeah, <laughs> right. oh. well matt and joe are over here yeah the other the other good thing too is after that they have of course the wedding reception tease like i just thought it was going to be the wedding itself but then you see the tease for the reception where there's like chickens and pigs and you're just like oh god here we go again uh, but we follow that up with mean gene okerlin Uh, interviewing Bobby the Brain Heenan, Big John Studd, and King Kong Bundy, which leads us to match number four on the card, which is the Battle of the Giants. It is King Kong Bundy and Big John Studd with Bobby the Brain Heenan uh, in their corner, taking on Andre the Giant and Tony Atlas, uh, of course, with Captain Lou in their corner. So uh, one thing I said to you guys is, man, Tony Atlas was cut. Yeah, he was absolutely jacked to the gills. I wish he was able to showcase more. But again, looking at who he was working with in terms of who would be able to sell for him, there really wasn't much that he could do. My goodness, he kept doing that leaping headbutt five or six times in the match itself. Uh, The leapfrog that he did with John Studd was pretty impressive as well. Unfortunately, he missed time to dropkick, but... For what the match was meant to be, it was more of a uh, sell the next Saturday Night's Main event with a Hogan-Andre match tagging Mm. against Stud and Bundy. And, you know, he's just an afterthought to take a beat down mid-match. I mean, I was shocked with him being a face teaming up with Andre that he wasn't in the wedding segment at all. But then I remember with Cousin Junior lacking his boots, they probably didn't think it was safe to have Tony Atlas out there. Oh, jeez. Wow. I'm completely lost. Oh, it's a known thing that Atlas has a foot fetish. <laughs> oh, okay. Thank you. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. No, it was on, uh, what was the MTV thing he was on? It wasn't made. Give my, like, my cell phone app. Where's my cell phone app? That show, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. It's, on, it's on that, too. True Life? True Life, I want to be a pro wrestler, yeah. right? Is that what yeah. it was? That was fun. I, th- I think I have, uh, I think I taped delivery. it off TV and it's on there. Some, It's in my collection yeah, somewhere. Rapid delivery. Rory, Rory Fox. Doing the Paperboy gimmick when he was literally like 19, 20 years old. <laughs> Who, I want to watch that. Who, uh, is there MTV have a streaming service? With all the true lives on there? Probably not. 
No. They have so many yeah, things because of the, the music and, and stuff. Yeah, stuff. there's yeah. so many tough things. If, if, if they throw Headbangers Ball on it, I'll get it. Right. Uh, so once again, Hogan uh, does a run-in at the end here. Of course, we're setting up the tag match for the next pay-per-view. And then, guys, we get Jungle Gene Okerlund <laughs> going to the jungle with Georgie Animal Steel. You think, like, they would have been like, okay, we got the wedding segment. That's good. Like, we don't need another fun segment of Georgie Animal Steel in the jungle in Gene Okerlund. There's a lot of mean Gene on this episode. There's a lot of Hogan. It's fantastic, though. I mean, it really is. Uh, what did you guys think of Jungle Gene Okerlund here? <laughs> the the this the Cincinnati Bengal SUV that he drives in on uh, into the zoo, I guess. It's, we're at the Detroit Zoo where all this is. Uh, the the, the behind-the-scenes reminder of what happened at Saturday night's main event, the first show when Nikolai and Iron Sheik turned on uh, George Animal Steel and, and you know, Captain Lou trying to coerce him back and then trying to do some shock therapy to try to get George Animal Steel to be normal. And that didn't unfortunately work out. Uh, at least gave us some history as to where what George has been up to. Um, the goofy remarks from George Animal Steel throughout the segment, though, uh, fantastic. You know, the, 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 the hippopotamus being a member of the swine family <laughs> and George Steele says Bundy, um, uh, you know, they're looking at the, I think they were lemurs, but I guess they were called weasels. And he said, Heenan and the sleeping tiger. He said, what kind of tiger Detroit, you know, kind of fun stuff. I, I, the segment was goofy. It was meant to be entertaining. I just I enjoyed the Jeep with the tiger stripes on it. Reminded me of when GI Joe repackaged all the old vehicles with the tiger stripes on it, yep, and, yep. and repainted some of the guys. Um, I I'm just wondering for treats. Did you find this version of George the Animal Steel scary, or just the one that you encountered uh, in the dressing room? Uh, just the one I encountered in the dressing room, because mm. at the end of the um, thing, when he runs into the brush and looks back, uh, he's kind of sexy. <laughs> <laughs> With that green tongue sticking out. Yeah, he's giving me a little wink there too. So, Do, would you like him to be yours? So, I want him to pop his shoes off. Let me see those toes. <laughs> You'll be mine. Yeah, it's just, uh, yeah. I, I just couldn't believe they added this in. Like, this did not need to be in there. They could have <laughs> saved this segment I don't care. for another one. <laughs> Great. No, it's fantastic. Don't get me wrong. Well, but. It's, it's great. Well, it's, you know, what's George been up to since, you know, what was it, four or five months ago since the last episode? Um, yeah. Furthering the storyline. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so then we follow that up with match number five, which is our main event of the evening. Of course, we get leaping Lanny Poffo and Tony Gurria. Uh, taking on the dream team of Brutus Beefcake and Greg the Hammer Valentine with johnny valiant in their corner and this is a tag team match for the wwf tag team championship my question to you guys is i didn't realize beefcake was already had the zodiac gear yeah it's crazy <laughs> i mean yeah the how he looked that's um, that was my only question <laughs> what did you guys think of this? what did you guys think of our main event here i mean he's already planning for 10 years ahead here this is what 95 right so yeah literally october 85 so, yeah, 10 years later, October 95, he's doing the Zodiac gimmick. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, but, yeah, this is our main event. What did you think of this three-minute and 30-second classic? Uh, Poffo. I wow. wish they yeah. would have done a lot more with him. I mean, first of all, he, he, the dude is cut, grizzled, jacked to the gills. I didn't realize how uh, much he looked like Mark Miro. Yeah, hmm. yeah absolutely. The longer hair, very, very much so. I always thought it was, it's weird to see wrestlers that don't have knee pads on. And uh, Poffo just uh, that was his thing. He never liked to wear the knee pads. He hits a a moonsault in this match from the second row. Yeah, I mean that's before what moonsaults were considered cool. You know, it was considered a back backflip press or whatever Vince or Jesse called it. But he hits a moonsault on Beefcake, and I thought that was great. I mean, this is you know show that he has so much ability. I don't know what it was. If it was just it didn't translate well, I mean, at this point, I don't think was Macho Man even with the company yet. He's got to be pretty soon. Yeah. Um, must be very, very soon feuding, getting ready to feud with Tito for the Intercontinental title. So, um, but I just, I, 
there's so much more they could have done with Patho at this time before the genius character and all that and with the management of Mr. Perfect and the Beverly Brothers and all that. So, I mean, Patho here, I'm going to call my Bill and Ted pick of the night. Like, I wish I could pick him out of his place in time and put him into another time because I think he would be more successful. Right. I, I was very I think he was the wrestler I was most impressed with this evening i did not see any of that coming i was like wow what an underrated talent he was fantastic he reminded me too of he gave me some like really young flying brian pillman vibes too with the hair and and the look um but yeah do you want to break this match down is there much to break down for it oh no there's i definitely have some notes here we see poffo and valentine start off the match we got lots of forearm smashes and chops by valentine on to poffo we see Valentine hit an elbow across the head and then does a headlock takeover to Lanny Poffo. And then we end up cutting to uh, the crowd where Barry Windham and Mike Rotunda are sitting at ringside. We see Barry Windham with a big eye patch selling uh, an injury from when the tag title match happened. Uh, they showed a preview or they showed uh, a clip from that uh, before we ended up coming to the match here. So they they're definitely have vested interest as to the outcome of this match, we see Lanny Poffo do a really cool bridge and a roll through to escape the the headlock from uh, Greg Valentine. He ends up trying to do a hammerlock to Valentine, but Valentine's able to escape with a knee to the gut and then does a body slam to Lanny Poffo. British Beefcake tags in. Poffo is able to hit a hip toss, a drop kick, a body slam, and then climbs up to the second rope and does what is the equivalent of a second rope you know, moonsault onto Brutus Beefcake and gets a two count that was broken up by Greg Valentine to stop the pinfall. Beefcake ends up uh, recovering and does a double thrust chop to Poffo's throat, an elbow to the back of the head to Poffo, and then he tags in Greg Valentine. Poffo uh, gets double teamed by Valentine and Beefcake, who do an Irish whip and you throw him back into their corner, uh, continuing to work on his back. Poffo tries to escape and roll out, but is cut off by Valentine as he's trying to make a tag. Beefcake gets tagged back in. We see a body slam to Lanny Poffo uh, and a pinfall attempt for a one count. But then Poffo is able to do a roll and a dive and tags in Tony Gurria for what seemed to be the hot tag, so to speak, for the match here. We see Gurria with a few right hands to Beefcake, an Irish whip into the corner, and he catches Beefcake with a hip toss. Gurria hits a drop kick to Brutus Beefcake and then one to Greg Valentine, who tries to enter and break things up but was unsuccessful. Gurria hits the ropes and does a running cross body onto Beefcake and gets a two count from the referee. We see Gurria with uh, three right hands and then he tries an Irish whip to Beefcake into the corner. Gurria charges towards Beefcake in the corner, but Beefcake mo- hits him with a back elbow to knock Gurria down to the canvas. Beefcake immediately tags in Greg Valentine. Greg Valentine bounces off the ropes, does the wind-up elbow drop, dropping the hammer onto uh, Tony Gurria. And then Greg Valentine sets up for the figure four leg lock, successfully gets the figure four on, and Tony Gurria submits as a result. The thing that was frustrating about this finish is that with the camera shot with the figure four on, we see Lanny Poffo in the corner you know, screaming like why he didn't do a run in to break up the figure four. I kind of wish that Beefcake would have ran around outside of the ring and kind of pulled Poffo off of the apron. So there just wasn't an awkward shot of just Poffo standing there where he could have come in and done the save. But either way, the whole match ends with uh, Tony Gurria submitting to the figure four leg lock, your winners and still tag team champions, uh, the dream team, Brutus Beefcake and Greg the Hammer Valentine. Wasn't a bad match at all. It's honestly, I think this is the longest Tony Gurria match I've ever watched. If I had to guess, um, Beefcake looked good. Valentine looked good. I like this. I was shocked when we were talking about Hogan's uh, world title in the last episode. I, these tag titles, this version of tag titles, was around a lot longer than I realized. Yeah, they they were the first team that got them. Yeah, Be- got, and those are Valentine, beautiful belts. This iteration, they were the first team to get them. Yeah, they were around for a long time. I, I was surprised by it there. Um. No, it wasn't bad match. Boy, it's weird to say it's the main event, though, much like last episode. And I, I still think it's what's dumped. Um, 
you know how when uh they do action figures like batman's a good one there'll be like different versions of him like there's a uh a ninja batman figure or you know uh, a camo batman figure i want a series of barry windham action figures i want barry windham regular barry windham as sting and pirate barry windham with the eye patch but not stalker barry windham Oh, well, I mean, yeah, that's Camelberry Wyndham. <laughs> or, or, or Blackjack Barry Wyndham. Ooh. You, you or, want a Wyndham uh, multiverse? I do now. West Texas Redneck Barry Wyndham? <laughs> I forgot he was in West Texas. <laughs> Retired Barry, Barry Winded. Barry Winded. Barry Winded. Barry Winded. Our Fat Four Horsemen. Yeah, the Fat Four Horsemen. <laughs> fat Four Horsemen when he came back and challenged Flair. With 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 the four horsemen music. What was our music, Kevin? What was our no? We we made the the fat four horsemen. There, educated. Yeah. I don't know if you know this. It was Barry oh, Winded, no. Tubby Blanchard, Tubby Blanchard. <laughs> what were the other ones? I think it was like Ham Anderson or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> Ham Anderson, and then it was like uh, it was Flair, Rick Flair. <laughs> <laughs> Rick, I think we we're going with Rick E. Claire because we didn't yeah, have a better Rick one. E. Yeah, Claire. Rick E. Claire. Woo! <laughs> that was great. Oh, good times, good times. Fat Four Horsemen, guys. Also in the running for my Halloween costume. Never too early. Fat Four Horsemen are not in the running for it. There's no running going that on. That's true. That is true. So, <laughs> um, And that leads us to, guys, our wedding reception. Now, <laughs> if you remember, and everyone that's listening this week listened to our episode last week, that's a given. I gave the educator the question of what would happen? Would we see a heel turn? Did we see a heel turn yet? No heel turn tonight. Did uh, Lanny Poffo and Tony Gurria win the tag titles? So was there a title change? No. See, I somehow thought this was U.S. Express dropping the titles to Beefcake and Window or Beefcake and Valentine on this episode. I guess it was a house show. Yeah, and Hogan didn't lose his belt. Hogan didn't so lose that his only belt. leaves that it's going to be another episode of Saturday Night's Main Event where someone gets cake in their face. They did this night. I mean, once again. Uh, we get the wedding reception. Of course, I think the biggest wedding reception run-in I have ever seen is Tiny Tim uh, running in with a <laughs> ukulele to be gifted. And uh, Mean Gene's just like, oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Mean Gene sells everything he's in. It's fantastic. Oh, it's this is why Mean Gene is Mean Gene. I mean, it's, he's fantastic throughout this whole thing. Um, there's another cake, cake spot uh, where uh, Jesse the Body Ventura gets the cake this time. After he reads a lovely piece that he wrote for the bride and groom right there, right there at the wedding reception was powering through the notes, trying to put some words together, some musings and uh, started off with some sweet tones and sweet melodies. But unfortunately it took a turn for the worst and Mr. Wonderful and Hulk Hogan sitting together at the same reception table. Weren't too happy. They get up and Hillbilly Jim also is the best man. Wasn't too happy. So as Hogan and Orndorff, Kind of charge after Jesse Ventura, and he shimmers away. Uh, Hillbilly Jim grabs him from behind and shoves him in the cake. Oh, just fantastic. Fan. Surprised the bride wasn't upset that her cake was smashed. Unlike, you know, a particular wife that got mad. <laughs> frosted, put on her face. Whoa, 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 what is this, educator? <laughs> that was my wedding. It was not good. I may I may have uh, wiped a little bit of frosting on my not, not, I did, little. Oh, Hey. Did I smash my wife in the face with cake? You did that night. Nah, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Got more he, than a little he, frosting, if you know what I mean. He, he learned not to listen to his new brothers-in-law. Yeah, exactly. Might have had a Long Island iced tea dumped on me. Uh-huh. Did she dump on your wedding night? Oh, in front yeah. of everyone. Oh, it, was it was bad. My mom thought like <laughs> the the divorce is going to be the next day. <laughs> oh, what a party that would have been! ready. What a party. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. Well, you know what? Just She should be happy no one hit her in the head with a battery. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> or assault. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's going to do it for Saturday night's main event number two. Oh, we did it, gentlemen. Good times. I love the show. All right. So why don't we rank our Saturday night's main event? This one's the best one we've seen. I've heard. Uh, no doubt. And the best match is probably going to be Orndorf Piper. And it's not that. even a match. I'd put, I, but uh, for best segments on the show, which the way the show is being booked might be the better way to do it. Um, Uncle Elmer's wedding is one, and Piper well, Orndorff's a close two. I don't even think that's a close two. <laughs> Uncle Elmer, my MVP of Saturday Night's <laughs> Made of oh, Already. Far, man. 
most valuable pig farmer. Yeah, it's just fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. Well, and, you know, we had the cake spot once again two times in a row. People are getting smashed with the cake. This episode also produced by Matthew McCarthy. It is. <laughs> so this, You're welcome, this is like a Goldberg-like streak so far. Two for two on the second on the second credit on there. All right. So I just behind Mr. McMahon and Mr. Everson. That's right. So I have not seen episode three. Kevin, have you watched it yet? Nope. Not yet. And educator, you have not. Do we think we see cake in someone's face? <laughs> I'm gonna say it's no. To say. I'm gonna say that's where it stops. Cake watch twenty twenty one. All right, so um, so on next week's episode, guys, for Saturday night's main event three, our main event is Mr. Fuji taking on Ricky Steamo in a Kung Fu challenge. So let's oh go. God. I don't know if you want to call these main events. Maybe you want to say to close the show. I think it's funnier if we call it the main event. <laughs> <laughs> That's our main event. The title goes on last. So Hogan must pose, brother. Hogan must pose. Uh, educator, what do you want to say to the people out there? I want to say thank you to everyone continuing to follow and listen to our show. Please take a peek and gander over at the Retro Network. They have lots of offerings for you guys to to peruse through and certainly pique some interest and curiosity for. want to say thank you to my two colleagues. Such a wonderful show. I enjoy discussing this gem on the WWE Network, and uh, I look forward to the future installments from this particular chapter of our series. Yeah, and I just want to say thank you, everyone, for listening to us and and commenting and really going along for the ride Um, i'm glad that we got invites to uncle elmer's wedding and you were our plus one so thank you for that Um, you know this is just a lot of fun to do especially recording with two of my best friends so thank you to them and just remember guys out there if you're getting married don't throw a battery at your wife and don't put frosting on her face kevin hellions why don't you take us home all right, thank you guys for another great show. Thank you to the Retro Network for hosting us. Thank you WWE Network for the content. Thank you to Richard Reader and Jason Gross for our logo. You can follow us across the internet at TRN House Show. You can follow Matt at Maddie Treats. You can follow myself at Mass Library and MassLibrary.com is the home blog. Go ahead and check out the show notes for Patreon links and merchandise and all sorts of other fun stuff. Shout out to our friends Adam Joe over at Odds with Wrestling. And guys, I just want to say this union of retro nostalgia pop culture and wrestling i think it is the greatest wedding we've seen since uncle elmer's and i would just like to say if anyone disagrees with me speak now or forever hold your battery this has been a presentation of the retro network